The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. All right, thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 440 of MMA on the Rocks. Today's Sunday, March 26th. And yes, your calendar is right. We did miss a week of episodes last week. I'm joined by Jeff the Animal Wilson. We'll get into an explanation of that. But first, my uh, esteemed co host, how are you doing this week? Bill, I feel awesome. It's been a. I feel like March has flown by. We skipped a week, but congrats on the 40th episode of the show you started. Uh, we kind of just started doing this for fun. Yeah, they said we couldn't make it, and yet here we are. Coming off the uh, the most downloaded episode uh, almost by double. Uh, so thank you for everybody, for all the new listeners. Uh, hopefully you guys uh, enjoyed it and you're tuning back in this week. Um but yeah, so what better strategy than to come off the most downloaded episode than to not consistently post an episode like we've been doing all along? But, you know, we I feel like we have a very good explanation for why we missed last week. So I flew back up to New York. A buddy of mine was getting married. So I had to go back up there and uh, fend off the blizzard that hit uh, the New York City area and uh, went to the wedding and... Got to hang out with you, Jeff, and we assumed that we would be able to record an episode, but it was St. Patrick's Day weekend, and we decided to uh, partake in the festivities instead of record an episode. So we got a lot to go over. I feel like since it's still March, we can still talk about St. Patrick's Day and some Irish beers and um, all, all the good times we got into back in New York. What do you think? Sounds like a plan, Bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we hit up some uh, some bars in the Woodlawn area of the Bronx, which for those of you who aren't familiar with New York City, Woodlawn is basically Little Ireland, uh, and not a lot of people know about it unless you're from the area, so th- that's around the area where I grew up, so it was nice to kind of get back there, especially around St. Patrick's Day, because it's got such an awesome energy. And uh, they actually do their St. Patrick's Day parade uh, the day after St. Patrick's Day, or depending how the weekend falls. So St. Patrick's Day was on a Friday. They did the parade on a Saturday. Uh, So we went to Rambling House in the Bronx, saw some live uh, Irish music. And then, Jeff, you came and met up with us. We went to a bar called Rory Dolan's in Yonkers. And Rory Dolan's is just an awesome place. It has such great energy. And uh, it was... You know, part of my old stomping grounds uh, as a young pre-podcast bill where uh, I would go and, you know, kind of celebrate my Irish heritage, my half-Irish heritage. So it's really an awesome neighborhood and city to be in around St. Patrick's Day. So we went there and uh, we drank a lot of Guinness, Jeff, and we did some Irish car bombs and I think there was some Jameson and maybe some Smithicks and and some harp in there so 
what was your takeaway uh, from this from this Irish experience? I loved it. I had a really good time. We got to meet the owner of the bar, which was pretty awesome. And I just really enjoyed it. I had some shepherd's pie, which I've always been a fan of. I love the Irish culture, and I love Irish beers and Jameson. So what can go wrong? Yeah, that's one thing the Irish uh, definitely do right is is beer and, of course, the distinct taste of Irish whiskey, which we've talked about on many an episode. Uh, <laughs> you know, Jameson has kind of been one of our defaults on here. But the, the beers really are unique, and I think a lot of people steer clear of Guinness because it's so dark and they feel about stouts. You know, just the look of stouts, you know, it looks like motor oil and you feel like it's probably going to taste that way too. And it looks like it'll be really heavy, but uh, Guinness is actually super smooth. So it's a it's a dry stout and it's even got a little bit of a sweetness to it. And the texture is a lot lighter than it looks. So it goes down really smooth. The problem is it will fill you up uh, if you have two or three of them. And then when you get to six or seven of them, you know, your eyes start floating. But uh, for those of you out there who are not experienced with drinking Guinness, I want to give you kind of my, uh, hmm, how do I put this? I guess tips, Guinness drinking tips. So if you're going to try a Guinness for the first time or you've had Guinness and you didn't like it, uh, I'm going to give you some advice. You have to go to an Irish pub or to a bar that has the Guinness on draft, first of all. That's the most important thing. Don't try it for the first time out of a can or a bottle. You're just not going to get the same experience. It's got to be out of a draft line, and it's got to be poured by an experienced pourer. They actually have like certificates in Ireland for people who learn how to pour a Guinness the proper way. The other important thing is so make sure the Guinness is on a separate draft line. So you know when you go into a bar and you see all the beers they have on draft and you look at the unique tap handles and everything like that? You want to keep an eye out for the Guinness tap handle, which just looks like a glass of Guinness, basically stretched out to look like a handle. But you want to make sure that it's separate from all the other tap handles. The reason being, uh, really high quality uh, Guinness is kept at a, it has to be on a different carbonation level, and it should also be kept at a different temperature that's maybe two or three degrees warmer than your typical draft beers. So all your Bud Lights and your Sam Adams and everything like that, the Guinness should be slightly warmer and it should be slightly less carbonated. So you know you're not getting a good Guinness if you go somewhere and it's on the same draft line, it'll come out um, kind of bubbly. You know, you want it to have like a smooth, rich texture. So make sure you go to a nice Irish pub that has it on a separate draft line and they know how to pour it properly, which they definitely do at Rory Dolan's and other bars in the Woodlawn area. So if you're if you're from around New York City, uh, head up to that area, or you can always go to uh, Connolly's in Manhattan. Uh, so those are my tips for Guinness. Make sure it's on a separate draft line uh, if you want to get the the true experience. So we also did a a couple of Irish car bombs last weekend while I was there visiting Jeff. And uh, if you've never had an Irish car bomb, it's very tasty and it, it definitely will get the job done if you're looking to get intoxicated. So typically what it is is a half a Guinness and then you drop a shot of Jameson that is topped off with 
Bailey's Irish cream into the half of Guinness, and then you drink it as swiftly as possible. Um, Jeff, I'm assuming this wasn't your first experience with an Irish car bomb, but just give me your thoughts on the Guinness and the Irish car bomb experience in general, in your life or past this past weekend. Oh, I've always been a fan of Guinness. The first time I really tried it was I was on a college trip to Greece, and there was an Irish pub called the James Joyce Pub in the middle of Athens. What it was doing there, I don't know, but I'm glad it was there. <laughs> and I had an I had a Guinness for the first time, and I loved it. It tastes just like coffee, so it's got a really nice taste to it. But I've also been on the other end of the spectrum, Bill. I was in Hoboken watching a soccer game a few months back and the guinness there i believe it was mixed in with some of the other beers because it did not taste the way it was supposed to Mm -hmm. and i really felt bad for this one guy trying it because he didn't like it and i was like dude i think either we're at the end of keg here or they mixed it with other beers because it's not supposed to taste like this yeah so you know there's like you said it has to be the conditions have to be right it has to be maintained and Again, to add to what you're saying, any beer out of a can is not going to taste as good. Beer does not travel well, so you really have to appreciate it when it comes out of a tap. Are you saying you don't like it in the can, Jeff? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I prefer it on tap. To address the the Irish car bomb, I love Irish car bombs. Uh, They're delicious. They taste just like coffee, and if you don't drink them quick, Bill, they will curdle. So you got to be careful with that. Yeah, they they can get pretty gross because of the, the Irish cream when you mix it with other liquids. That's kind of why you got to put it down fast. So it, it gives a nice sweetness to the end of the Guinness. And it, it's really kind of delicious. And um, yeah, I recommend it. It's, it's one of the more fun uh, shot drinks combinations you can take. And... Um, you know, like I said, there's just something awesome about drinking a, an expertly poured Guinness around St. Patrick's Day in, in that kind of vibe. And Rory Dolan's the bar we were in, it, it's really a, a beautiful bar, and it was all hand-carved by Irish immigrants who are probably still the bartenders there. So you know you're getting your Guinness poured properly there, and they always have great live music and DJs and stuff like that. So Rory Dolan's is an awesome time so we'll get into some more alcohol a little bit later i think we should get into some mma right now because i know you have some uh, tasting notes on some other beers you were trying this weekend jeff so we'll get back to that later something i want to address is an unfortunate incident that's been in the news lately for mma and that is war machine formerly known as john copenhaver You may remember him from season six of The Ultimate Fighter, which happens to be one of my favorite seasons. I actually just rewatched the entire thing on UFC Fight Pass, and it's really an enjoyable season. That was the season that Matt Hughes coached against Matt Serra. And, you know, the banter between those two is just really funny because they're just so different and they hate each other so much. So that always makes the season really interesting. So War Machine... And I say formerly known as John Copenhaver because he actually legally changed his name to War Machine for some reason. Was actually a pretty decent fighter on the show. I I kind of wrote him off, and I, I didn't remember him being that good, but 
he was actually pretty tough, especially considering the quality of competition at that time in the UFC. Uh, I guess that was around 2010, 2011, maybe. In any case, he was finally found guilty uh, for the crime against his former girlfriend, adult film star Christy Mack, who he brutally beat uh, along with you know, the guy she was sleeping with at the time, you know, beat them both within inches of their lives. I mean, here's a professional MMA fighter. This is what he does for a living. And just just brutal, a brutal act and really disgusting and really sets the sport back a lot because we've come a long way from these guys being thought of as barbarians and we finally just got sanctioned in New York and recognized as a sport and we're starting to get some credibility. And here comes this guy who beats a woman almost to death, stabs her uh, multiple times. Uh, and, you know, one of the most disgusting displays of inhumanity you could see. So he was sentenced to 29 felonies in court last week, which is just absurd. And the guy was offered a plea bargain deal. The deal would have been he pleads guilty to, I believe it was two felonies, and he would have received 18, somewhere between 18 and 40 years in prison. Uh, he declined the plea bargain, and he decided to go to trial, and his lawyers just did an awful job because I think they just realized the guy's a piece of shit, and they didn't they didn't do their job in defending him. And... For that, I applaud them. And their only defense was basically like, you know, you charged us with 29 accounts, but he's only guilty of like seven of them. Uh, so, or it was like 36 accounts, 36 felony accounts he was charged with, and he was found guilty of 29. I imagine he's going to prison for life. He hasn't been sentenced yet, but uh, it's a pretty safe bet. Being that the plea bargain he was giving was 18 to 40 years, and he declined that. You're definitely not going to get anything better. Uh, I see him going to jail for life, and uh, for good reason, in my opinion. Uh, what are your thoughts on this, Jeff? And and were you keeping up with the trial at all? I was not keeping up with the trial, actually. But you know, it's it's one of the ugly sides of this. You know, uh, these guys they they um, they get famous quick doing this. And some of them turn to drugs and alcohol and or steroids in some cases, and and they end up messed up in the head, man. Sure. So it's it's really a shame to see something like this. And you know, credit to his lawyers because they realize, you know, how can I defend you when when you there's no redeeming qualities here? Yeah. Um. So I I really you know it it. It takes me aback because I I don't know how, how to. There's no words for this type of behavior, you know. Yeah, and he's obviously a disturbed human being. Uh, I think he showed that on the Ultimate Fighter. I know it's hard for a lot of people to remember. I I just watched it. I just rewatched the season recently, and not because of him, just because I enjoyed that season because of the Matt Sarah Matt Hughes thing. And there were there were a lot of great fights on that season as well. But um, he, he had some issues on that show, and it was, it was very evident that he was emotionally disturbed in a lot of ways. So I can't say I'm surprised, but uh, 
and we're stating the obvious with a lot of these things. You know, you're you're taught being raised as a male to never put your hands on a woman, and it should be common sense if you're a professional fighter and you're trained as a professional athlete to you should never put your hands on anybody. Uh, we've talked about this on the on the show with with little stupid things like Roy Nelson kicking a referee or Fabrizio Verdum kicking a coach after a fight and just like gently tapping them. This is a person who is very dangerous. I mean, say what you will about him as a fighter. Maybe he wasn't you know the greatest fighter to ever step into the octagon, but even the worst fighter to step into the octagon against a a person off the street. Not only is it not a fair fight, but you know you should be charged with a crime for even thinking about that. There's just so many things wrong with this situation, and it's really unfortunate because I feel like things like this make news headlines, and it sets the sport back. And this is a sport that you and I are both so passionate about, and we love it so much, and we've seen it come such a long way. We've been fans for so long. And then you get... Uh, a knucklehead like this who can't get control of his emotions and does some stupid nonsense and um you know some of the criticism of christy mack was was that she was being dramatic about their relationship before this incident my opinion is that all that is irrelevant it doesn't matter what their relationship was like and if she was making anything up or not the fact of the matter is he attacked her and almost killed her and almost killed the guy that she was with whether they were dating or just sleeping together or whatever the case i mean you can't justify almost killing people so he's probably going to jail for life and to that i say uh good and yeah any other thoughts on that yeah deserve yeah deservedly so and you figure boxers you know if you're a professional boxer you have to legally register your hands as weapons Mm -hmm. you know so this is just unacceptable and i agree with you man you know whatever he if he gets sentenced to life he deserves it yeah for sure especially since um when he was first supposed to get arrested he was out on the lam for a couple of months and he managed to avoid you know the warrants that were out on him for a while so yeah fuck that guy uh let's move on to some happier things like the surprisingly exciting ufc fight night 107 uh that took place at the o2 arena in london england uh now you and i both did not watch this card live because we were out and about uh in irish paradise in in new york uh, enjoying ourselves and and clearly not recording an episode of mma on the rocks like we should have been but um you you had said you didn't have any interest in watching the card I kind of wasn't that into it, but I, w- I said to myself, you know what, Bill? We're coming off the most downloaded episode ever of MMA on the Rocks. We got to follow up. You know, we got to keep up with this stuff. I went back and watched the card, and then I texted you and said, Jeff, you got to watch this card. So, no, I know it's more fresh in your brain than it is mine. And this is a couple of weeks ago, so we won't spend too much time on it. But give me your reaction to this card, which was headlined by Jimmy Manua and Corey Anderson. Um, so what was your action to the main event and then the card in general? What stood out to you, Jeff? Uh, the main event was awesome. 
And I didn't watch any of the prelim fights, but the main card was absolutely phenomenal. I thought every fight was super exciting and entertaining. And there weren't a lot of big names on this card. So for those of you who have not watched, I strongly suggest you go back. Because some of these guys, I feel like they're so exciting. And you're probably going to be hearing their names more than once in the future on this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, go ahead. Yeah, definitely. So, the main event was Jimmy Manuel versus Corey Anderson. Now, we've discussed Corey Anderson a little bit on the show. Not anything that really stands out. And Jimmy Manuel was able to knock him out in the first round. Um, this fight was awesome. Corey Anderson, he looked pretty good. Uh, he, he was going in for a couple of shots on Jimmy Manuel. Uh, for some wrestling takedowns, but I think that was more out of his respect for Jimmy Manuel's power, which he happens to have in both hands. We've uh, Jimmy Manuel, he's more known for the power in his right hand, but uh, towards the end of the first round, Corey Anderson was moving to Jimmy Manuel's left, and he caught a really big left hook that just caught him on the nose and knocked him out instantly. So, credit to Jimmy Manuel. He's a real contender, and he proved it on that fight card. I, I'd like to see this guy get another shot at maybe Alexander Gustafson. And if he does well against him, give this guy a title shot. He's he's a real deal. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I have to say Jimmy Manoa has to be one of the most underrated guys in the division. And he came into the UFC undefeated. His only losses in his career are to Alexander Gustafson, like you said, uh, who who knocked him out and Anthony Johnson who knocked him out both in the second round and you know for a slugger like Jimmy Manua who is willing to go toe to toe with anybody and just trade blows you know that's what happens sometimes like some, most of the time you'll catch people with your skills and then every now and then you get caught but uh you know to maintain an undefeated streak for so long in this day and age in the sport is really impressive and I feel like he's a guy who's really flown under the radar. He's not a big trash talker. He doesn't make headlines. Um, but, you know, he gets the job done. Like you said, he's got knockout power in both hands. I have always found him to be one of the more exciting fighters in the division. He's expecting to get the winner of Daniel Cormier and Anthony Johnson. I don't see that happening just because John Jones is projected to come back in July. So I see John Jones getting the winner of Cormier Johnson. Um, Manuel, in his post-fight interview, also said that he wants to take a professional boxing fight if he doesn't get a title shot, which seems to be the trend these days with the UFC fighters. They're starting to see that you know they can make a little more money in boxing, which is unfortunate because uh, you know boxing is has been on the decline for a long time. And there have been a few guys that have been reviving it lately, Gennady Golovkin and Andre Ward and and guys like this who, who have had exciting fights. I would like to see Jimmy Manoa get another fight and then get the title shot against John Jones or against you know whoever is the champion at that time, maybe in the fall at some point. But yeah, awesome, awesome fight. I think the most impressive performance of the night was probably from Gunnar Nelson, who submitted Alan Joban, but surprisingly to most people i think outstruck him for the entire first round and then nearly knocked him out in the second round and decided to just snap up 
snatch up his neck and uh, finish him with a guillotine choke that was just nasty. Uh, what was your fight? Um, what was your thoughts on this fight, Jeff? This was really exciting from the get. Um, I like Gunnar Nelson's style because he's got kind of a Lyoto Machida wide stance, uh, bouncing around kind of style, and he's um, more of a kickboxer, while Alan Joban is more of a Muay fighter. Mm-hmm. So this was an interesting matchup. Um, I definitely thought that Gunnar Nelson had the advantage on the ground, but he got that submission, like you said, because of the setup with his striking. And uh, he, you know, he did a good job of picking his shots, and he was picking Alan Joban apart in the first round. And in the second round, he caught him with a straight right that almost knocked him out. It definitely wobbled him, and then instead of uh, finishing, he went with what I thought was the smarter idea and cinched up the neck and got a really nice submission from the top. Yeah. I think a lot of people thought that way going into this fight. If it goes to the ground, Joban would be in trouble, but Joban could probably control the fight on the feet. I like the comparison to Leota Machida, but I think another interesting comparison is comparing Gunnar Nelson's uh, stand-up to Conor McGregor, who happens to be one of his training partners. That kind of sideways Taekwondo-type stance, you know, with the lead hand kind of hanging down a little bit, but you know, still ready to snap up with a nice jab and coming off with a lot of power with the right hand, pushing off that back foot. Um, very similar to Conor McGregor's striking style. And I thought it was, I also thought it was interesting that Gunnar Nelson called out Stephen Thompson, which I think would be a great matchup because Gunnar Nelson obviously has come leaps and bounds in his stand-up since he started in the UFC, and he's looking really confident with it, which is even more important. And we know he's lethal on the ground. The only person who's given him problems on the ground is Damian Maya, and even Damian Maya wasn't able to finish him. So I think uh, Gunnar Nelson and Steven Thompson is a very interesting fight. What do you think about that one, Jeff? Yeah, I think that definitely shakes up the welterweight division, especially if Gunnar Nelson can win. Uh, I feel like that would shoot him right up the rankings, and I, like you said, he's looking a lot better in his stand-up. He did look a lot like Conor McGregor, the way he was bouncing around, uh, moving in and out, covering distance really well. So I would love to see that. But here's the problem is Gunnar Nelson is one of the smaller welterweights, while Stephen Thompson is one of the lankier ones. So this would be a really, really interesting matchup to watch. Yeah, I mean, and you have the kind of, grappler versus striker matchup still that's really intriguing to people a lot of people were kind of curious to see damian maya face wonder boy and see how that played out so i i like it um it, it would definitely be a step down in competition for stephen thompson being that he just fought twice for the title and i think gunner nelson is just barely scraping that top 10 in the division but I really like that matchup. I don't want to spend too much time on this card just because it's more than a week old, but we also had a retirement fight from Brad Pickett, which I I hate the whole retirement fight thing. It, it's really a turnoff to me thinking, you know, building up a guy before he's going to fight for the last time. That just doesn't make any sense to me. I like when guys are classy about it and they announce retirement after a fight. Or, you know, they they lose a fight or 
or, or whatever the case. And then a couple months later, they decide like, okay, I can't do this anymore. But how can you justify having a strong training camp when you know you're training towards your last fight? I just can't wrap my head around that fact. I don't like the whole buildup of, uh, of like this guy was contributed so much to the sport. Which don't get me wrong, Brad Pickett has has had countless entertaining fights. I just don't like the idea of building up to a retirement fight. I think it's ridiculous and I think it's pointless, and I don't like it. So that's what happened, and he wound up getting knocked out in the third round. But before that, he was doing very well. And for a British guy, Brad Pickett has excellent wrestling. I think he has the highest takedown percentage uh, in the bantamweight division of all time. So very underrated wrestling, especially for a British fighter because they're not known for their wrestling. They don't have wrestling in high school like we do here. Uh, so they're usually at a disadvantage in that area. But Brad Pickett has very good wrestling, and I think he had a great game plan against Marlon Chito Vera until Vera caught him with a head kick in that third round. Uh, if it weren't for that, I thought Brad Pickett probably would have snuck away with a decision. So well, what are your thoughts on the retirement fight uh, fiasco, Jeff? And what were your thoughts on the actual fight between Brad Pickett and Marlon Vera? Yeah, I'm with you. I don't like when fighters announce that they're going to retire. You know, it's it's like you said, how can you train 100% knowing that's your last fight, you know? But anyway, regardless of that, um, I, I'm a fan of Brad Pickett. I always have been. Uh, he's entertaining to watch. He's got knockout power. I feel like the sport, unfortunately, passed him by a little bit as he got older. Sure. Uh, he racked up a couple, quite a few losses towards the end of his career. But this was a really exciting fight, man. Um, Marlon Vera, I didn't make weight, but I believe it's because he was a last-minute replacement. Yeah, very for... last-minute. Yeah, so we'll, we'll let it slide this time. Um, because we're neither of us are fans of fighters not making weight. But anyway, um, Marlon Vera did look a lot bigger than Brad Pickett. So credit to Brad Pickett for what he did. He was able to land some huge takedowns in the first two rounds. And, you know, he was he was doing a good job on the feet as well. And I think that is because the crowd got to Marlon Vera a little bit. They were definitely pro-Pickett. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know what his corner said to him in in the round, in, in between uh, the second and third rounds. But it seemed to have worked because Vera came out a lot more confident. He was using his legs, um, body kicks and leg kicks, and a couple of flying knees uh, really well. And good for him. He got uh, a really big win against a very game opponent in Brad Pickett. Yeah, it says a lot for a guy who's able to, one, take a fight last minute. And I agree, we'll let the missing weight thing slide because he took it so last minute. And, uh, you know, he wanted to do Brad Pickett the honor of getting that last fight in his home his home country. Um, and also for a guy who's clearly losing the first two rounds to come out with a kind of determination to finish the fight in a third round. You have to admire that. Definitely a bright future for Marlon Vera. Uh, there were some other awesome fights on this card. There were some great finishes. Anything else that really stuck out to you, Jeff, since you just watched it uh, that you want to touch on? Um, and then we'll, we'll move on from this. Yeah, so this is the last thing. Uh, the opening fight for this card, Arnold Allen versus McGuan Americani. This was a really entertaining fight, Bill. Both of these guys came out with everything in the first round, 
and then they kept up the pace for three rounds. Mm-hmm. And the last round was very heavy on grappling, and I feel like Arnold Allen just did enough to win. I had this at 29-28 for Allen. Uh, both of these guys just really exciting to watch, and I'd love to watch either of them fight again in the future. Yeah, that was an awesome fight. These are two young prospects who really went after it, and they both emptied their gas tank. And to tell you the truth, I didn't know how to score this fight. Uh, I believe it was a split decision, but, um, man, these guys these guys really went after it. Two really hardcore featherweights. Yeah, it was a split decision. And, um, yeah, they, they left everything in the cage. You, ha- you have to admire that. And... They both definitely have a bright future. I'm looking forward to seeing them both fight again, but I didn't know how to score that one. I was kind of, it was so back and forth the entire fight, but, you know, I could see, I could see Allen getting it and I could, I could see Amir Wani getting it too. Um, uh, something I'll touch on very briefly, Invicta FC 22 took place this past Friday. Uh, Tanya Evinger successfully defended her, Bantamweight um, Championship against Yana Kunitsiaka. Uh, they had fought once before. This was Tanya Evinger's last fight, but the fight was ruled a no contest, and uh, Tanya Evinger was able to win the fight. And I think uh, the bigger news story was um, kind of Tanya Evinger checking out the the ring girl after the fight was over. And, and kind of pointing at her breasts. There's a funny picture that's been circulating around uh, Twitter and other social media. Uh, nothing else really sticks out about this card. Uh, did you catch the Invicta, or do you have any uh, thoughts on the main event outcome there, Jeff? Uh, not really, but I would like to see uh, some more Invicta fighters in the UFC. I think that they're doing an awesome job. Yeah. I kind of, I like the Invicta format and that, you know, they can just, it seems to be, I don't want to call it a farm system because I don't want to, I don't want to downplay what these, what these women are doing there. But, you know, I kind of like that there's like a minor league for the women and they have their own platform. So people who only enjoy women fighting can go and watch and enjoy that uh, i i like it i think the production value is getting better for invicta as well um i'm not quite sure what the business relationship is there i don't know if if wme owns invicta or not but invicta is broadcast on ufc fight pass so uh i think it's pretty easy for those fighters to come into the ufc if need be uh, we saw Angela Hill very recently take a fight in the UFC, and you know she's an Invicta fighter. So, um, speaking of other fight promotions, uh, Bellator is making a lot of big moves. So, I kind of want to talk about them a little bit. They just signed uh, light heavyweight Ryan Bader, who his UFC contract ended, and he blatantly said, "I want to stay with the UFC." But that wasn't the case. I guess the UFC wasn't giving him the money he wanted. So he went over to Bellator and he's immediately calling out light heavyweight champion Phil Davis. Which I believe would be a rematch for those two. 
Um, so a- any thoughts on Bader crossing over to Bellator, Jeff? I think it's a good move, man. Uh, he's in a in an organization where he can have his own sponsors. He doesn't have the whole Reebok deal chaining him down. He, I feel like he can make a little bit more money. He's already a big name in the sport. And I like what Bellator is doing in signing some of these bigger names. And, and I think doing a good job of not making the promotion focus on just them. For example, they have Lord McDonald on the roster. But we haven't heard too much about him. So I feel like they're doing the right thing in building these guys up, but not uh, over overdoing it too much either. So I think there's a good balance there. And, Bill, we were talking a little bit about this before the show, but Bellator is making uh, some big moves on the pay-per-view scene as well. Yeah, definitely. So Bellator is going to have their first pay-per-view coming up uh at, and it's going to be at Madison Square Garden, which is really exciting. I think it's in June, and I might think about taking another trip back up to New York. It'll be warm enough for me as a new uh, uh, Floridian to uh, come back to New York. So maybe I'll be back in June for this Bellator pay-per-view. That, that would be kind of awesome to see them come into Madison Square Garden. And they're going for the pay-per-view, which... I have to say it's a tall order for them. You know, it's going to be hard to try and get people to pay for something they've been getting for free for so long, especially since the production value of the Bellator events has gone down over the last few events. But they are getting some marquee names signed, and you mentioned Roy McDonald. Uh, I believe he's taking some time off until late summer 2017, until he's going to fight again. That's why it was kind of awkward when they announced him as part of the roster, but then, you know, he's not very good on the microphone. He doesn't have that flashy personality. He's one of the guys who does the talking in the cage. And since he can't do that for a good couple of months, it it was an awkward introduction. But I like Bader coming over to Bellator, especially because he had trouble with the upper echelon of competition in the UFC. Uh, you know, his, his fight against Anthony Johnson was not even competitive. Uh, I was there live because that took place in New Jersey and he, he took a double leg takedown shot from across the cage at Anthony Johnson and, (laughs) and, uh, man, yeah, that was, that was brutal. That was brutal to watch. So he has fought Phil Davis before he beat Phil Davis, uh, via split decision, so th- that would be kind of an interesting matchup to see again. I mean, these are two guys who are both elite light heavyweights uh, in terms of the rankings right now, but both would have a hard time, you know, with the top three or four in the UFC, being that Anthony Johnson, Daniel Cormier, John Jones, when he comes back, uh, you know, they they would have a hard time there. So I, I think it was a good move for Bader. He can definitely make more money at this stage in his career um you know he he's got a growing family and everything like that so he's got to be concerned about those things and and he's been around a while so he's 33 years old and you know he's been doing this for a long time his body's taking a beating i'm sure so it's it's good to put some money in the bank but let's talk about this um this Bellator card that's coming up at Madison Square Garden, which we touched on briefly. So it's going to be headlined 
it, it's kind of up in the air who's going to headline it, but the two main events as of right now are going to be they're going to reattempt Fedor Emelianenko versus Matt Mitrione, which was supposed to happen last month, but Matt Mitrione had to pull out on fight night because he passed, I think it was 15 kidney stones the night of the fight, which, you know, if you're pushing rocks out of your dick, I think that's a viable excuse to pull out of a fight, especially if you're going to get in there against uh, Fedor. You don't want to have to worry about any dick pain uh, going in against the last emperor. So they're going to try and do that one again. And uh, the other main event that's been announced is uh, Chael Sonnen and Vanderlei Silva. And there's a lot of bad blood there. They coached against each other on the Ultimate Fighter. They were supposed to fight, but they both got uh, USADA bans. Uh, Chael failed the test, and Vanderlei ran away from a test. And basically, Vanderlei was banned for life. And there was a whole big thing, and that's why he quit the UFC, and there was all this drama around it. So, you know, a lot of big names uh, on this card. Uh, what do you think about it, Jeff? And do you have any thoughts about this, these uh, fights specifically? Yeah, these fights look good. Um, I was very disappointed when both uh, Chael Sonnen versus Vanderly Silva got canceled by the UFC, and when Emilianenko's fight got canceled uh, by Bellator. So it'll be good to, to see these two fights made up. And also, Bill, the, uh, this is more recent. Bellator has just added two title fights to this already really good pay-per-view here. So welterweight uh, championship on the line is going to be the champion Douglas the Phenom Lima versus Lawrence Larkin. And in the lightweight division, champion Michael Chandler is going to defend against Brent Primus, who is currently 7-0 and in the cage. Wow. I did not hear about these fights. <laughs> and that's pretty awesome. So Lorenz Larkin, another one, uh, a big, I wouldn't say a big name, but, you know, he was doing pretty well in the UFC. I think he lost a close split decision in the last fight, but... Uh crossed over to Bellator I think a lot of people were surprised to see UFC cut him but you know with the new ownership and everything they're probably just crunching numbers and and seeing who's expendable that had big contracts so I, I actually really like that fight between uh, Lima and Larkin that that'll be really interesting and Michael Chandler is always exciting I feel like he puts on some of the most exciting fights in the sport um yeah, so thanks for that announcement. Do you have any thoughts on those two fights, Joe? Uh, this whole card is looking awesome so far. I know Bellator's had some problems we discussed before. Uh, they've had a, a couple of issues with their last couple of cards. But I feel like if this card shapes out to be the way it's supposed to, Bellator 180 could be awesome. And I'd love to go to Madison Square Garden and see it. It's only a train ride away from me, Bill. But uh, I'm thinking about buying a ticket now. So this could be interesting. All right. So a plane ride for me and a train ride for you. I say uh, I say we get tickets for this Bellator card. I'm, I'm kind of excited about it right now. And uh, I've been sitting here sipping on some Old St. Pete whiskey that's been delicious. And I also have a, uh, a Barley Moe Huntsman. You know how I love my Barley Moe craft beer, which is the craft brewery that's right up the street from me. If you ever make your way down to Central Florida... Uh, anybody who's listening to this, you have to make your way to Barley Mo. Um, yeah, so 
I want to talk about the upcoming card of UFC 210, which is a week from Saturday. It's kind of weird that we have such a long layoff, but I also want to stay on Bellator for a hot second as well. Um, Rampage Jackson is fighting King Mo Lawal uh, on Friday, I believe. And the rest of this card, I was trying really hard to find something interesting to talk about, but there's just not. So we have Rampage and King Mo going at it on March 31st, which I believe is this coming Friday in Chicago. And this is a rematch. Uh, Quentin Jackson won a decision over King Mo, the last, uh, King Mo the last time they fought. And there's a lot of bad blood between these two. They hate each other, and they've hated each other for a long time. They met before anybody knew who King Mo was in the sport of MMA. And uh, they did not get along, and they still don't. And this fight is actually not going to be at light heavyweight. It's going to be at a catch weight because apparently Rampage has put on some weight lately. And King Mo has been, quote-unquote, fat-shaming him, uh, which, you know, I I don't personally get the, the phrase fat-shaming. I don't, I don't understand why that's even a thing. But... Man, I really want to get excited for this one because Rampage Jackson is one of the most exciting fighters of all time. I, I think he's probably in my top five of most exciting fighters, but I, I can't get into this one. I really want to, but I, I just can't. Um, what are your thoughts, Jeff? Are you excited about it? And if so, please convince me to be as well. <laughs> well, Bill, um, I haven't looked at the rest of the card because, well, Bellator has been making a big deal about it. The only fight they've really talked about is King Mo versus Rampage 2, mm -hmm. which I'm actually really excited about because the first fight, Bill, it was a little bit of a toss-up. Some people think that Rampage won, which he did, but King Mo and some of his fans, they believe that King Mo won yeah, and that it was an unfair decision. So um, with all the bad blood, like you said, these guys cannot stand each other like they can't be in a room for five minutes without arguing yeah so i'm excited for it i personally want to see rampage shut king mo's mouth again because i'm tired of hearing about it but um like you said i love watching rampage jackson um he's a hard dude to finish he always comes in with everything and the only guy who's finished him is a guy that we both talk about all the time is john jones so that is a huge testament to rampage in his career uh yeah in in recent memories the only one who finished him uh he got finished a couple times in pride shogun knocked him out and vanderlei knocked him out um but yeah always exciting uh, it concerns me a little bit that he can't make 205 anymore and this fight has to be at a catch weight and it's a main event but i mean rampage is i think he's like 38 years old now uh, he is coming off, I think, a five-fight win streak, though. So he's got a lot of momentum going into this. I'm going to watch it. I just, I don't know. I just don't have the same fire for it that I did the first time they fought. Um, that's all I really have to say about that. Let's, let's jump into UFC 210 real quick. And since there's no fights, no UFC fights uh, next weekend, we can get into it. In a little bit more detail then but anthony johnson daniel cormier what are your thoughts at this point in time on march 
the 26th, Jeff? I'm excited for this one. Um, the first fight went, obviously, to Daniel Cormier. It was, That one was also for the light heavyweight championship, which had been vacated by John Jones. But I feel like, I don't know, I feel like Johnson has probably focused a little bit more on cardio. I feel like he's not going to really go for what he went for in the first fight, which was just to try to knock out Cormier in the first round. I think he's learned that he just can't do that. Yeah. And and I feel like if he comes out with a different game plan but still um, uses his power um, and combines it with his wrestling, which he is a very good wrestler, I feel like he, he could – I feel like he can pull it out. I feel – Honestly, that Johnson can beat Cormier for the light heavyweight championship. However, I don't know if I want that to happen because if what you're saying is true and John Jones comes back in later in the summer, I'd want to see Jones fight Cormier again. So I'm I'm at a I'm at a fork in the road here, Bill. Yeah, if you want to see Jones fight Cormier, I think you have to be rooting for Cormier to win this fight, which he definitely can. Obviously, he's beaten Johnson before. Because I think Cormier has a smaller window in this sport than either Jones or Johnson. So if you want to see that rematch, you got to be rooting for Cormier here. Cormier is a beast. Uh, I, I do feel like he's very underrated. And a lot of that is due to the fact that he's just, he's just terrible on the microphone for the fact that he is so blatant about the fact that he wants people to love him. And that makes people hate him. And it's it's cringeworthy, really. The, the way he kind of begs for people to like him. Like, why don't you like me? I'm a nice guy. And I'm sure he is. Uh, everyone I've talked to who has met him in person has said that he is just, you know, the sweetest, most amazing guy. But when you ask people to like you, it usually has the adverse effect, you know. Uh, this is a in combat sports. Heels do very well. People like Conor McGregor, Chael Sonnen, like people love those guys, and they're like, "Oh, we don't care if you hate us." And uh, you know, Daniel Cormier hasn't really wrapped his head around that. But I mean, Cormier has an amazing chin. He's never been finished. His only loss, and he's fought at heavyweight for most of his career. His only loss to John Jones, and it was a decision. And I wouldn't say it was a close decision, but, you know, he still went to distance with John Jones, which, you know, not too many people have done. Uh, on the other hand, Anthony Johnson, you know, I I'm sure he's just been training his ass off and improving his cardio, which ha has always been his biggest problem. If he can't finish it in the first round, then, you know, he's, he's usually in trouble. So I'm excited for this one as well. The rest of the card looks looks pretty fun but uh we'll, we'll get into that a little bit deeper next week uh since there won't be much to talk about at that point i know you have some tasting notes on some beer you tried recently jeff so you want to get into that a little bit yeah so uh last night a good friend of mine a co-worker was having a housewarming and i brought some tequila and um uh a beer that you put me onto well a brewery that you put me on to, which is Magic Hat, which Ooh. I believe is in Vermont, yes, if I'm not it mistaken. Is. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so they're kind of local, I guess, you know, New England area. Yeah. And uh, it was uh, it was called Not Quite Pale Ale, 
which I I see why because the taste was really it felt more like an IPA when I was drinking it, and um, it it was it had the taste of grapefruit, but so you could really taste the citrus at the back end, but it also maintained some hoppiness to it, and it was good. It went down easy, um, just like a nice date. Yes. <laughs> um, after after about four or five of them, I kind of um, I started getting a little full. But uh, this was good. I liked it. Um, I've always been ever since I tried Magic Hat. I I really enjoyed their beers. So you know, it's it's a good one to pick up. Especially, uh, I think I feel like this is more of a spring type of beer, which uh, is the time of uh, year where we're at here in New Jersey. Even though it doesn't feel like it, because there's still snow and it's still cold. But the spring but beers was, are out, and that's what matters. Yes, and this was a good one. I would definitely suggest Magic Hat Number Nine, not so pale ale, not quite pale ale. That's awesome. Um, I really want to try it because I'm a big fan of Magic Hat. I've been to the brewery. I've done the tour. The brewery is awesome. It's a really cool experience. It's it's a bunch of. Uh, a bunch of artists that work there so they have a really um they have a really wide variety of beers and you can taste all of them in their tasting room which is always a bonus and then they have some really cool welded steel kind of structures throughout the place i also want to say jeff how proud of you i am right now because your beer analysis has come such a long way in the 40 episodes of mma on the rocks that we've done and um, I just want to commend you for your awesome tasting notes that you provided right there. Thanks, Bill. I learned from the best. So <laughs> you, you've trained me well over the past uh, 40 episodes or so. Yeah, well, I hope that for those of you who are listening and, you know, from the download numbers, it seems to be uh, quite a bit of you that, you're picking up something from the show or you're getting a few laughs or anything like that. If you have any comments for us, you can always reach Jeff at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter. He's always looking to get into a conversation about MMA or a debate about MMA or talk about some craft beer or fine spirits. And of course you can reach myself at MMA on the rocks, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or you can go to MMAontherocks.com, and you can send me a message that way. Don't be shy. We'd like to talk to you guys that are listening to the show, which is a lot more of you than I ever expected to have listening to the show. And if you are enjoying the show, please go on to iTunes or Google Play, leave us a review and a rating, and let us know what you're thinking and drinking. So that's all we got for this week. Thanks for tuning in. Cheers, everybody. Goodbye.